Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. There is no shortage of action going on with our partners at betonline.ag. The NBA is right around the corner, and right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play. And BetOnline has the best odds and lines for their upcoming games and matches. Need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day. BetOnline also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. Welcome back, Pelicans fans, for another episode of The Bird Calls. Sitting in for Preston Ellis, I am David Grubb. And with me, uh, as always, our editor-in-chief, Ali Cosell, and frequent contributor, Kevin Berrios. Gentlemen, good afternoon. How are we doing today? Doing great, Solid. David. How are you, man? I got to first give you props right off the bat. Great article you just wrote and we posted on The Bird Rights, man. Yeah, I owed you an opus. Um, and I took some inspiration from Kevin. You know, I, I, if you're not doing multiple thousands of words, then it's just not right. So, you know, you dig <laughs> deep into the cranium and you and you go and pull it out. <laughs> That's right. Think, you, know. you, saw, you like to shout out, Kevin? Did you like to shout oh, out? Oh, yeah. Chris? Yeah. I love being associated with uh, hating on Ja. So it's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's my brand. I'm building my brand. That's right. That's right. And that brand is... Jaleel Ogilvy sucks. That's Kevin's uh, brand. I'm not, not going to say hey, that. We, we got to make it clear to the crew that's listening to us, right, that we don't really personally hate Jaleel Ogilvy. No. Like, no. He's not a good fit for Pelicans, especially in Alvin Gentry's system. That's where yeah, Kevin's yeah. hate comes yes. from, guys. Yeah. No, and also, I mean, like I said, he doesn't suck. He's very good in the low post as a technician, great footwork, great scoring ability, but he provides nothing that we need. So that's the problem. Yeah, just if he could defend and rebound, those are the, the two biggest weaknesses, his defense and his rebounding. And that just, with the bigs that the Pelicans have, that is a problem they can't afford. So we're not, we're not really mean to Ja. Actually, we love Ja. I mean, he's, he's one of the nicest guys on that roster and just is always accessible and available to you when you want to talk to him. So Absolutely. To get that. Fantastic human being. He really is. Oh, just an incredible guy. Um, but the big news, of course, is that the schedule has been released and the Pelicans have eight games in 14 days in Orlando. Um, Ali, first, why don't you break down the schedule, both in the order of opponents and um, how this is different percentage wise from what the Pelicans had and, and, and what, the, what it just stacks up against the other teams that they're competing against for that eighth spot? 
Sure, yeah. So yesterday ESPN announced with their NBA countdown crew all the schedules for the eight-game seating schedule in Orlando. And it really felt like almost like a draft lottery, right? It was kind of exciting. You, you momentarily forgot with what's going on with the rest of this world, right? The pandemic, social injustice, and everything else that's obviously more important. But, hey, we learned what the Pelicans are going to be facing, and it's, and it's pretty much what we guessed, right? Vincent Goodwill at the start of last month kind of basically zeroed in on the fact that the NBA is going to choose the upcoming schedules that were still left in the regular season in the remaining regular season um, and, and selecting like the first, you know, pretty much eight games that teams could would play. So it pretty much falls in line with what the Pelicans got rewarded, or I should say awarded. And they're going to be playing just two teams with records over 500. And it's going to be the first two right off the bat. And the Pelicans are going to be kicking this whole event off on July 30th at 530 against the Utah Jazz. So following the Jazz, they'll face the Clippers. And then it, the, really the meat of the schedule, I feel like, comes up after that, where they're going to be playing four teams directly in competition for the eight and nine seeds, right? you got to get to at least the playing tournament if you're a New Orleans Pelicans fans. So Grizzlies, Kings, Wizards, Spurs, Kings, Magic to round it out. And, yeah, David, you touched on it. The Pelicans' combined win percentages of their opponents is, is impressive, impressively low because it's just under 50% at 49.5%. Um, now, granted, it's not as easy of a schedule as they were slated to play, right? Over the 18 remaining games, there was a lot more cupcakes like the Atlanta Hawks, the Knicks. And so that combined for about a 44.1 opponent winning percentage over those 18 games. But look, beggars can't be choosers. New Orleans got what is very fair, although a lot of national types, their first reaction was, oh, look at ESPN and NBA trying to get Zion into the playoffs to play, you know, of course, LeBron James and the Lakers. It's not true, guys. The NBA did the smart right thing here in terms of just giving teams what was basically fair, what was left on their original remaining schedules. And so, like I said, the Pelicans have a good opportunity ahead of them to where they are going to give themselves a really good chance if they play well enough to give themselves a good chance for that playing tournament. If they play really well, could even sneak up and maybe grab that eighth seat because both Portland and, and the Grizzlies schedules are a lot tougher, as we'll get to. Now, Kevin, uh, one of the things that we are – uh, waiting for is July 1st when the, uh, the full rosters are announced when teams have to bring, uh, put their 17-man groups together. But as we look at the schedule already, there are teams on the Pelican schedule that have significant players out for multiple reasons. You know, Looking at that, who are the biggest um, losses for the opponents and, and where do the Pelicans gain some advantages? Yeah, I mean, I think one thing, one big advantage is, is that nobody has home court advantage. So you're not going on the road to play any of these games. It's neutral. But then you look at first opening night against the Jazz. If I'm not wrong, Ingles and Bogdanovich are both not playing, correct? They're not going yes. to Orlando. So that's a huge break for the Jazz. Those are tough. Ma those two guys provide tough matchups for the Pelicans. Um, and then, you know, the next game against the Clippers, if I'm not wrong, it's a that's the second night of a back-to-back -back for the Clippers, so there's a chance you might not be playing against Kawhi or Paul George or both, um, which would also um, be a great advantage. And then um, with the Wizards, um, you know, you could possibly see a world – I mean, he hasn't announced it yet, but where Bradley Beal wouldn't go to this. Or, you know, we already know that Davis Bertans isn't going. Um, so, And then Spurs, LaMarcus Aldridge is out. You know, there's also a chance that DeRozan decides not to play with Aldridge out because there's not much for them, not a real 
shot for them to really make it with uh, Aldridge being gone. Um, and I don't know, is there are the Kings missing some people too going in? I, I feel like I remember <laughs> hearing. Well, we don't know, right? Because they've got what four guys with supposedly the coronavirus, so we're not sure if they'll be ready. Right. Real quick, well, I mean, those guys seem like those guys seem like they're going to go play. You said Kevin. You said Joe Ingles is out. I did not hear that. I, I was only aware of Bogdanovich with his wrist surgery. I yeah, he made an announcement. Out. He made an announcement about uh, staying with his family. Correct? Am I wrong in that? Or I do believe Ingles said he was out. Now I, I, I'm double checking now, but I do believe Ingles said that he was out. I'm pretty okay. sure I heard that. I thought he was going to play for some reason. <laughs> okay, but that again, like I said, those are two huge losses offensively for them because. You know, Donovan yeah. Mitchell had been extremely streaky this season in shooting uh, the ball from deep. Uh, so I think, you know, you lose two consistent. And Bogdanovich, we saw. We saw it when the Pelicans oh, he's the killer. The yeah, he slaughtered the Pelicans. I mean, what, he missed one shot um, the last He time averaged he like 30 points, right, in all the matchups. <laughs> he averaged about 30 points and shot like 60% from the field. Something crazy. So, yeah. I mean, and then also looking at the Magic as the last game, they probably will have that. You know, I mean, the Wizards don't really stand much of a chance of catching them. And if they have it wrapped up, you might see them rest guys because the schedule is so compact just to get into the playoffs. That last game might be a cakewalk also, you know. Yeah, I mean, people are looking at this and and their expectations that the Pelicans could go as as, as good as seven and one. We talked about it even before the schedule released that we were talking about maybe that a six and two was at least necessary to get to the uh, play in tournament. But now the way this is laid out, um, you know, certainly the criticism from people like Kendrick Perkins or other voices around the league who have said the NBA is trying to get uh, the Pelicans into the playoffs. Well, like you said, Ali, earlier, the matchups are the matchups. And the Pelicans actually got their schedule harder a little bit going into this. It's just, I mean, I don't see how if you're going to invite the teams that they invited, I don't see how you can make it any more fair than it is. No, and here's the biggest thing, though, right? People are making such a big deal about the matchups, about opponent winning percentage. But I'll be honest with you. I mean, a lot of people that I've talked to kind of behind the scenes that really know basketball, including you guys, of course, look, this is going to resemble the start of a regular season. These guys have not played basketball uh, competitively, let alone together as a team, for months. And they're only going to have a really short, quick, what is it, about two weeks worth of training camp time to iron out any differences. And as we know, that's not enough. We see every year how, you know, teams get granted whatever amount of time it is in preseason training camp and start regular season, and it's bumpy play. A lot of turnovers, et cetera. Plus, Kevin's already mentioned, it's an unfamiliar court. I think that's going to be huge. You know, certain players like certain arenas, and they get used to certain rims. That's not going to be a case here. Nobody's ever played competitively that down there in Orlando and uh, Walt Disney World. And then, as, as we've already kind of mentioned, right, there's going to be key players out. I think LaMarcus Aldridge being out is huge, absolutely huge. I, I just can't foresee the Spurs make a run, and we've already mentioned Bogdanovich with the Jazz, so that really sets up. And, of course, playoff teams. Why should they be pushing so their players so hard, especially out of the, uh, out of the gates? And that's why I love the Pelicans playing their first two games against the Clippers and the Jazz, because I think they will be ramping up their players a lot more slowly to where I don't foresee anyone on their teams playing over 30 minutes those first couple of games, if they're smart. They should monitor those minutes, kind of build it up to where, you know, they'll be in good shape when the playoffs start. So 
Yeah, I, I like a lot about this, but we shouldn't make everything be the end-all be-all for the winning percentages. Absolutely. And I think one of the other things, too, is when you have situations like this, when you had like the 50-game season or the 66-game season, seedings become a lot less important in the playoffs and uh, because you, you tend to see those upsets because teams are still, like you said, trying to find themselves because of those shorter stretches. And with the layoff and, and coming back in, yeah, you don't know, and, and players who will choose to not come, and then, of course, the potential for our, uh, players to be infected during all of this, there's going to be constant flux on rosters. And so from night to night, yeah, winning percentages will absolutely mean nothing because these are not the teams that you played in March, February, January. I'd also say I think seeding, I mean, of course, uh, seeding matters in terms of your matchup uh, once we get to the playoffs, but it doesn't matter hardly as much this year because there will be no home court advantage, you know, because right. like, you know, the how many times have we seen an underdog, you know, get an upset in their first home game back, which that's going to be completely eliminated. Um, and also just also though the underdog, also feeling more pressure playing on the road in the playoffs, that's going to be eliminated too. So it's going to be interesting. It, I, I think it could go either way. I think you could see longer series because there's going to be no pressure or there could be sweeps because there won't be that, you know, that, that burst of confidence and energy that teams get um, for their, for their first home court game against the, you know, the favorite. Um, so that can be, it's going to be an interesting situation too. Yeah, and before we get to the Pelicans individually and what we want to see or should expect, and of course, mm-hmm. um, um, and talk about the questions that the readers, or I should say on Twitter, posted towards us, I'm curious about your guys' takes on the schedules for both Portland and Memphis. Because I'll just read this off real quick. Originally, Memphis, as everybody knows, was supposed to have one of the toughest finishing schedules. It was, I believe, second overall amongst the 22 teams attending hardest. Now it's the sixth hardest when you uh, look at these eight remaining games. For Portland, they really, I feel like, got the shaft a little bit. They had the 16th hardest schedule, so one of the easier ones to finish up the regular season. But now they've got the fifth hardest here in Orlando. So what do you guys make of that? David, if you want well, to start. Well, I mean, if, we, if, we, if our argument is that the winning percentages don't matter. Um, no, but yeah, we, right. But just factor in maybe some of that a little well, bit. Let's, though, right? Well, let's look at this for Portland. Portland is getting – when Portland last played, Damian Lillard was hurt. Yusuf Nurkic was hurt. You know, they had they, – they were shorthanded. They've mm-hmm. gotten time to get healthy. So you bring back a healthy Damian Lillard, you, you bring back – they are not the same team that they left off as. And so for them, they're getting reinforcements, and I think that makes them in a better position. Um, I would say that, you know, yeah, come, out of the teams that are there, now it pretty much comes down to the Grizzlies sitting in the eighth spot now and it's the Pelicans and the Blazers. That's the way I look at it, because San Antonio, to me, is done because of what they've lost. And I, I didn't have a lot of confidence, even if they were completely healthy, that they could get above the teams that, 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 are, that are in the West. And then you look at the Kings, and again, that, uh, that instability of, of just so many guys, it appears, just rolling in and out of <laughs> having uh, COVID. I just don't know if they'll all make the trip. So I mean, I think it really just comes down to the Pelicans and the, and the Blazers trying to catch up with, with Memphis. And I'd give the Blazers a reasonable shot, even if their schedule did get harder, because this is a team that went to the Western Conference Finals last year. They know their roles. Most of those guys have been together for a while now. 
And you, you also have a veteran guy in a Carmelo Anthony who can provide you some scoring if Lillard is off or if C.J. McCollum is off. And that was something that they missed in the Western Conference Finals last year. So, I, I mean, I, I like – Portland seems fine. Memphis is just trying to, trying to hang on. And, and I think that they're in a good position to do so. Their goal is just make it because stay in eight. And that's all they're – I don't think they're trying to climb any higher. I mean, their thing is if we can play it even and, get, and, and play who's ever nine, we think we can win one time. And I, so I, I don't think Memphis is incredibly worried either. No, they get four. They win four games. They're going to make uh, the Pelicans basically win eight, or Portland win eight, right? To jump over them. So yeah, I, I, if I'm Memphis, you find a way to win four games, and even three wouldn't be bad. Kevin, do you have anything to add? Uh, no, I mean I agree with that 100. percent You know, I mean I think Portland is. Uh, I was glad to see. I mean, obviously we played Portland four times already, so I wasn't expecting us to play them, but I was happy that we didn't have to play a healthy Portland with Nurkic coming back and stuff. So I think they're a team that can make noise. Uh, they're like, like you said, I agree that they're our biggest threat for getting into that playoff with Memphis. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think they're, like you said, they're a whole new team and this is kind of a whole new start because everybody's been off and all new starting products. It's kind of, you, you know, know, you know, one thing that's also curious to me is, and David, you've mentioned this a couple of times already is, how much is this COVID-19, these cases for the Kings, going to affect them right now? We know the teams can't be working out together, right? But still, you've got to think it's going to take something away to where these players individually can't work and sharpen their skills. Like, say, Buddy Heald, right? He's one of the guys that is currently infected. And we don't know how they're going to bounce back because everybody bounces back from supposedly from coronavirus differently. So I think that puts them at a huge disadvantage, even though, like I said, they're not going to be uh, practicing as a team until they get to Orlando. That is if they even make the trip, like you've mentioned. Um, do, you, do you guys feel differently or not? I got a counterpoint to that. I mean, I understand that, and I think that's very valid. But the other point is they already got it and won't get it again once they're in the bubble, most likely. You know, we, don't, we haven't seen somebody get reinfected, especially so quickly. Um, yet. No, we have. There are reinfections now. There are people who have gotten it twice. Really? I haven't seen that. Yeah. Okay, so but they heard about it either. But they have antibodies at least, so they're like more likely to not get it. Whereas other teams might have a a widespread infection. If you get it out of the way, maybe you know you're in a better situation. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a medical expert. It's just hypothesizing. But I do understand what you're saying because me, like I once got I got aluminum poisoning in in my early twenties. And, uh, you know, that it causes scarring in my lungs and my lungs have never been the same since. So, you know, there's a chance that we know that COVID causes uh, lung scarring. So, like, you know, I get out of breath much faster. My voice is much weaker. My voice gets hoarse. Um, you know, so, I, you know, it's lingering things like that from the scarring that I have in my lungs. And it could be something that could affect these guys long term and obviously short term in this uh, tournament. So, um, you know, it's all unprecedented and we'll see what happens. But um, I can see, you know, both aspects. Oh, God. Those are the screams I used to make when I would cut myself shaving. You know where. But that was before Manscaped. Thanks, Manscaped, for turning my loud shrieks into multiple peaks. Look, who here doesn't get nervous about grooming their man parts? And that's why Manscaped created the Lawnmower 3.0, beautifully designed to reduce those painful nicks and tugs. The Manscaped engineering team obsesses over technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your family jewels. 
So many people have written in stories about how the Lawnmower 3.0 has changed their lives. They even included pics so I could see the smoothness for myself. And they aren't kidding. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Just to give the context, the World Health Organization um, is still trying to understand why some people do get a reactivation of the virus after recovery. So, I mean, there's still that part medically, and, and we can, that's a good segue, actually. That part medically, is there are still so many unknowns about COVID-19. Um, and by most accounts, and, and even the words of Dr. Anthony Fauci, the, Pelic, the, the, the NBA has the best setup um, among the major sport leagues as they try to come back. But still, mentally, the stress of going into this bubble, quote unquote, for three months on any person, um, no matter if it's a fancy hotel, no matter how many amenities they bring into you, it is a strain to be with, you know, with the same people in a confined space generally for three months. How, how do, you, do you think that the Pelicans, a young team with some veterans, uh, copes with that kind of situation. I think I think they'll be better off than most because a lot of these guys aren't married, don't have kids, right? I mean, what would you say? Maybe half the team, I guess, has has a child. But in essence, I just feel like the, a lot of the players sound and feel comfortable. Even JJ Redick, you know, it's kind of surprising me because he's 35. He lives up in Brooklyn, so he saw firsthand and his family what coronavirus does. But you know, I've listened to all his podcasts several times. He's kind of mentioned that, yeah, it's a concern as well as possibly this whole event serving as a distraction, which nobody wants uh, from the social justice and the Black Lives uh, Matter movement. But he seems gung-ho about going and, and leading the team. And we, we can tell. I mean, if he's lost 14 pounds during his time off, you know he hasn't been lollygagging or saying, yeah, I'm working out about three times a week. No, he's gone. he sounds like he's gone balls to the wall hard. So... I think the Pelicans, like I said, I'm expecting I, – I think all the players will make it, and I think they'll all be in great shape. And with the young legs combined with the way they play, it really this, – this whole format sets up well for them. This sprint to that possible play-in tournament in the playoffs really sets up really well for them. Kevin, to that point, um, you know, factors like youth, like depth, are huge um, going into this teams there, you know, team we're seeing teams sign free agents that have not played with them all year as reinforcements due to injury and already players who have pulled out the Pelicans at least will have this continuity of their roster. If all 17 guys do show is how much of an advantage is that for this team? Yeah. I mean, I think that's an advantage, but also um, what you were just asking about the mental aspect, I think, you know, we have a lot of young guys who are just in college and this is closer to being in a college situation, like living in a dorm and, and that stuff than some of the older veteran players experience. So that might give us a little leg up that it's not a super far off adjustment from where they were at. Obviously, you know, you had more freedom when you're in college, you could go out and go wherever you want, but uh, it probably feels more like a, like a dorm situation. Um, it's, it's a lot like kind of, living on the road touring with a band, you know, living in a van with all the same people for, for um, weeks or months at a time. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how they adapt to that. But I think the younger teams uh, with guys that are just coming out of the AAU and college program and haven't gotten so comfortable in that 
pro athlete lifestyle might have a little bit of advantage mentally in adjusting to the bubble situation. I think it also helps that because there is no travel, you don't get that same amount of fatigue. You're not changing time zones. You're not dealing with red eye flights. You're not all those things. You go right back to your hotel room after the game is over. Uh, so I, I think that that certainly helps too in recovery uh, for the teams. And again, when you have youthful legs, um, I think that, that is going to help. I think veteran teams, like Ollie said earlier, are going to try to just, unless they have a real chance to move up in the standings, are just going to try to make it to the tournament healthy. Whereas teams like the Pelicans can't afford to play all out and give everything that they have um, in this, whether they make it or not, it, it's just it, the opportunity for them to do so is just so much greater to just let it loose. No, I agree. And, and I, I think that applies to every player. We've seen already, you know, I've already touched on J.J. Redick, uh, Brandon Ingram, how much he's been working. You, you hear all these stories about the Pelicans. They're all positive in the buildup towards being ready for that. As soon as that start, whatever, the, the ball's tossed up in the air on July 3rd, it sounds like they'll be ready more than most. And that, that's a positive because I keep thinking about other veterans. What do they do? They develop routines as they get older. That's, that's another thing I think that we got to attribute to what Kevin already said. Younger guys kind of being more used to a college campus type of atmosphere. But I also think older players, they just ha have a routine, whether it's with their families, how they come into their own arenas or on the road. And that's all probably going to be distorted. And the Pelicans, they don't have that many of those vets. My biggest and most interesting thing, I think, to watch right off the bat is going to be Derek Favors, right? I mean, I can't recall one time where he looked 100% all season physically. He never resembled the guy we saw Utah over the span of a 48-minute game, right? We would say, hey, he looks a little bit better. He would have better stretches, especially, of course, after he came back um, in, in the middle of December on. But he still never looked like the Derek Favors of old. So he's, he, in an article with Tony Jones of The Athletic, he mentioned that he was taking, you know, I think about the first two months just to rest his body, to, to let it heal up. And then he was starting to work it back into shape. So I'm going to be very curious to see how he's, he looks, you know, with his first few minutes. What do you guys think? Kevin, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, like, I think we're all big fans of favors and what he can bring and what he did bring even when he was hobbled. Um, so, yeah, I mean, having that time off, I think, hopefully helped him not only deal with the physical problems that ailed him, but also the mental. So, I mean, remember, he lost his mother during the season. So, like, dealing with all that, um, giving him some time off, some time to decompress, I think is going to be good for him. And hopefully we do see that uh, favors that, that we saw in Utah because, you know, we definitely need that interior presence and we need him to be good enough that Gentry sticks with him and stops trying to go small with Zion in the middle because of, you know, we've seen the, the problems that that creates because Zion's not mentally ready to play big man defense in the, in the NBA at a high level yet uh, physically he's there, but mentally he still has to pick up, you know, when to drop, when to, when to uh, come up and, you know, when to switch and things like that. Um, so it's a lot more complicated and if if he's healthy and if he's mentally engaged then it'll keep him on the on the court and that's going to be the best thing for the pelicans long term in this tournament yeah because yeah, so we think oh, I'm, no, gonna I'm gonna that, lead in for you okay. david set, mm -hmm. set you up for your article because i really want you to talk about all these players and what the biggest potential winners and losers of this whole scenario are 
obviously Favors could do a lot for himself, right? By looking healthy, earning himself a contract, whether with the Pelicans or not. But David, you just we just put up an article on the bird rights where you basically went through every player and listed kind of expectations plus how they could, you know, this whole event could benefit themselves. So why don't you go ahead and jump right into that? Okay, I'll, I'll just do the summary because I want people to read the article. So, <laughs> sure. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, don't read the 2,200 words or whatever. <laughs> uh, but essentially, you know, the Pelicans are in a great position overall. Uh, you talk about uh, potentially 11 of the players who are on the roster right now as locks to come back next year, uh, which is something that is unprecedented in this franchise's history. Uh, they haven't had the starting five return since 2004. That blew my mind when I read that. Since 2004. <laughs> and, and so the opportunity for continuity means that this, this is a great chance for these guys to, even if they don't make it, to build going towards that season, the 2021 season, which is two months away, you know, I mean, after the end of, of this season. So I think there's a great opportunity. And for certain guys, um, you know, the guys, look, Brandon Ingram doesn't have anything to prove. He's going to get a backs offer and the Pelicans are either going to be the first ones to offer it, or they're going to match it. I would imagine that they're going to be at his door at 1201 or 1101, however it works. And he, they will sign him. Uh, so you look at the rest of the roster and it's really the guys who are on the, the, the second level, you know, JJ Reddick's going to be here next year. We know what he can do. There's no change there. Um, I think for Drew holiday, it's, uh, are, is he going to play at a high level of consistency? Because we know that folks have, have put Drew in every trade rumor. We've done it, uh, whether or not this is the time to move on from Drew. So uh, you want to see if he can be 2018 Drew Holiday, uh, postseason uh, Drew Holiday in this situation, because that veteran presence is so vital. You go to guys like Lonzo Ball, you need to show that what happened over those several months was not a fluke. If he comes back and he's shooting below uh, 33% from deep. If he's just, if he's not penetrating, if he's cautious with the basketball, um, rather than being aggressive, then those are things people are going to point to as a regression. Uh, but then the front court is really where most of the things you're looking for. Jackson Hayes has to show that he's learned something in this time. Same with Zion Williamson. We hope that he's been looking at film that the coaches coaching staff has been focusing on the mental part as much as they have the physical, because it seems that he looks great. And he's ready to play. We want to see if the mental part, if he uh, matured there. Same with Jackson Hayes, same with Nikhil Alexander-Walker, two guys who are going to get minutes because of the bodies. But again, they have to earn the trust back. Neither one of them was getting the same minutes over the final 20 games of the season that they were getting previously. Uh, so they've got to earn their way back in. Guys like Etwan Moore, this is a chance for him to prove again that he can be consistent as a shooter off the bench. And he's playing for a contract, whether it's with the Pelicans or someone else. Darius Miller, uh, he'll be probably be active. Does he get off the bench? And again, a seven, $7 million contract that's non-guaranteed. Darius has got to show that he, at least that he's healthy, that he can walk around, that he can do something and, and, and is on the road to being a contributor if he wants to have any chance of staying. And then finally, you, you take it, the guys who I think have the biggest upside of the most to gain during this are the two G League guys in Zylan Cheatham and Josh Gray. Cheatham can be what we thought Kenrich Williams was going to be. We know Cheatham loves to bang. He's a double-digit rebounder. He's, a, he's an efficient scorer. He's athletic. 
we liked him a lot going all the way back to summer league. So, and then you have Josh Gray, a guy who is a scorer at the point guard position, a little bit shorter than guys like Frank Jackson or Nikhil Alexander-Walker, but more explosive. And also a guy who has shown the ability to get others involved, averaging more than six, seven assists a game in the G League. Those two guys will get minutes. They may not play in all eight games, but when they do, right. they have an opportunity to show that they could be second unit players and contributors next season, which will impact the Pelican strategy as they go into the draft. If you feel like Zylan Cheatham can be a strong uh, backup small forward for you, then you approach the draft much differently. If Jackson Hayes shows that he's matured and can be a more vital, def- a, a more um, uh, consistent defender, then maybe you're not looking for big at the top of the draft. So uh, these guys have a big imp- will have a big impact on what David Griffin and Trajan Langdon ult- ultimately decide to do with this roster in the offseason. Yeah, and um, I'll, I'll be honest. I think practice, when they first get to Orlando and can start going up and down the court um, as a team, I think that whoever's really hot, like say Etwan Moore suddenly can't do nothing but splash home threes or maybe, you know, Zill and Cheatham is, is showing something defensively that Kenrich Williams isn't. I think players could earn themselves or bump themselves up in a rotation. Because let, let's face it, we fully expect Alvin Gentry to utilize a smaller rotation in key moments and in certain games. But he's not going to be able to probably stay on the gas for all eight games simply because all of a sudden you're going to be asking players that have been for months off, even though they're in shape, most of them should be in really good shape. It's not basketball shape. And that training camp's not going to get them in the basketball shape. So Alvin at some point is going to have to monitor a lot of these guys' minutes. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, I think, in rotations and who maybe moves themselves up or down simply because of what we maybe they'll see in practice or maybe Alvin goes with his hunch, right? We don't know. Is he more just inclined to, well, that's the vet or maybe that's what we, the way we did all regular season. I'm just going to hopefully they'll find, you know, a hot streak or whatever, overcome whatever's ailing them. And I've just got to place my trust in that. It'll be very curious to see how Alvin Gentry does push those buttons. You're right, David. Okay, well then, I guess let's let's talk about the coaching staff um, for a second, Kevin. What does what what do you think this means for Alvin Gentry and his future? What outcome is there an outcome that that you think could mean the this is the final year of his uh, coaching tenure? Is there a way to make sure that, that 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 the outcome could ensure that he comes back, or is that no matter what happens, do you think that that decision's already kind of settled? Yeah, I believe that they've already made that decision, regardless of how this plays out. Um, I'm not going to speculate on what that position is, because um, I, I, I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, I know Griffin really likes Alvin Gentry. Um, Alvin Gentry's getting up there in age. Uh, I don't know how much more he wants to do this daily grind of coaching. You know, maybe they've talked. Maybe next year will be the year that they do the the rumored plan when Ferry was uh, the top choice uh, of of um, Gentry moving into a front office position, sort of a advisor role, and they bring in a younger coach um, that, or their long-term coach. We'll see. Um, I could see them also, you know, giving them a chance to, to have uh, another year out there to, uh, you know, to go out on a high note since this team really started to upswing again towards the end of the season. And especially, uh, you know, I think people are expecting us to, at least be in that playoff with Memphis for the eighth spot based off of the schedule and the talent level on this team. Um, but I, I think the decision's already made. I don't think this, 
this scenario will affect it. And I don't think it would be fair for the scenario to affect it just because the scenario that they're going in, this bubble, this situation is so unprecedented, so weird and so like built, it's like built on sand, you know, anything could collapse just, you know, if a player gets sick or, you know, it's just such a weird situation that you shouldn't really judge the coach on how they handled this, um, this run. Um, And I think, you know, these guys are smart and they already have a plan, you know, heading into the off season. I'm sure they're going to stick to whatever that is. I don't think anything, you know, short of upsetting uh, the, the world with a, with a finals victory. um, I don't think anything will change. Ollie. I'm yeah. Kevin pretty much nailed my uh, kind of, I guess, viewpoint of everything too. This isn't going to make or break Alvin Gentry's future with the New Orleans Pelicans. I feel like that either Griffin's already decided he's going to eventually or soon move on, or he's going to keep him around. It's going to be one or the other. But I, I want to mention this, and you mentioned it in your piece, David, and I think it's super important. Look, we know that fans generally do not like or have supported Alvin over the years. And, you know, they always point to his previous record, how well he's done here in New Orleans. But let's face it, right now you need to put that pettiness away. You know, he, he's not only a, a good head coach. I don't care. You guys probably don't believe me or don't want me saying that, but he's a great human being. And he has embraced the city and the fans and really the culture of New Orleans. I love the way you worded that. So I think everybody should just go ahead and support Alvin, the whole team, throughout this, no matter what they do record-wise, right? So, yeah, that, that's all I really wanted to throw in there. Before we get to the listener questions, I'm just going to ask you guys this to give your – and again, it's, it's, it's an impossible projection, but it's something that we have to do. Do you think that this will finish, that there will be a conclusion um, that we will get through the eight games and the playoffs without um, some major interruption? Uh, Ali will cigar with you this time. Mm. I want to say that I feel like there will probably be an interruption. I think the odds of not e- either a team all of a sudden cons- getting basically hit with the coronavirus where it sidelines, like say three, four, five guys, or one of the stars is going to contract, contract the disease. And therefore, you know, the NBA is just going to feel pressure to basically at least suspend play for maybe a couple weeks until that player heals. I don't know. It's just so impossible to imagine two and a half months of this being pulled off without a hitch with what's going on in the world, with what we've already seen in other professional leagues around the world to where they've had cases pop up. How many times has the Chinese basketball league had to, uh, you know, basically suspend operations? I know it's happened with the Korean baseball team or Korean baseball league. And I think even the, the soccer what was it? Maybe the German Bundesliga. I think they mm-hmm. had an issue too. So it just seems like the odds are high when you consider the backdrop. Florida's exploding right now, and you don't foresee that all of a sudden dropping down in cases to where you're not going to be worried about people that are coming in and out of the bubble that won't be having regular testing. I'm talking about all the Disney employees um, that they're going to likely probably maybe bring something in. And if it's not them, somehow you just got to think the virus is going to find its way inside that campus because it's not a true bubble. And it doesn't sound like the NBA is committed to having a true bubble because it just seems like too high of a cost. So, yeah, unfortunately, I fear fear that it's more likely than not. At some point, this will be interrupted. Kevin? Yeah, I mean, I've said all along, I don't expect this to play out all the way. Um, I mean, 
for all the reasons Ali said with the virus, but also I feel like I'm the only person talking about this in the sense that this is in the middle of hurricane season in Florida. Like that is another aspect that can make this fall apart because then you have talking about possibly having to evacuate all these teams out of there and what's predicted to be a, a you know, a very end of hurricane season, then you evacuate, then the bubble's broken. Do you have to re-isolate again? Um, you know, st- start up, how's that play out? Then it's you pushing back everything for the next season. I just don't see a world where between uh, the virus and hurricane season, this finishes up. And I think it was a really bad choice considering, I mean, the location was a very bad choice considering hurricanes and also Florida's uh, approach to the, the COVID virus from the get-go. There is no shortage of action going on with our partners at betonline.ag. The NBA is right around the corner, and right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play. And BetOnline has the best odds and lines for their upcoming games and matches. Need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day. BetOnline also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. Betonline.ag, your online wagering experts. Black Lives Matter, and we're continuing to do our part here at The Bird Calls. That's why we've created the Armchair All-American Scholarship. Thanks to contributions from Armchair, myself, Music is My Refuge, R. Anders 36, Andrew Juge, Ralph Malbro, and many more, Armchair Media will be issuing four $500 scholarships per semester to aspiring black creatives. The criteria is African-American, under 21, and in a creative field. To apply, send something you've created, whether photography, art, music, anything, to scholarship at armchairallamericans.com. We can't wait to see your application. Yeah, uh, to to emphasize your point, Kevin, um, the National Weather Service thinks that the hurricane season this year will be 30% more active than normal. Uh, Expecting as many as 16 named storms. And in a normal year, they're talking about 8 to 12. Um, So, yeah, it, it could be. And as we've seen the last few years, hurricanes are getting bigger, uh, stronger, and uh, they're coming right on top of each other. So, yeah, it's, that is absolutely a concern. And I think evacuation will be a major issue um, should something like that happen. Because how then do you get all of those players out of Orlando? How then do you get them secured in Orlando if you have a major hurricane? That is a, a question that I think, yeah, people do need to, to start thinking about more. Um, let's go on to our questions. Um, we'll yeah, start with some of them, huh, Kev? Or, I mean, David? Some, some. Yeah. But there's some that we, that we can um, touch on. Um, cool. First, from uh, I Am James, uh, who do you expect to have a breakout eight-game stretch of pure dominance, i.e. playoff Drew? Uh, sorry, Kevin. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was waiting for that. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, no problem. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, the – the most obvious answer is uh, Zion, I guess, because, you know, we just saw how dominant he was once he got on the court. You know, he had a slow first half in his first game and then just exploded in his sec- in the second half of that game and has just been offensively dominant ever since. And I just think most teams 
don't really have an answer for him defensively at the basket. Um, and if he has improved mentally on the defensive end, then, you know, the sky's the limit for him. And, you know, he's just going to, I just think he's just such a, a unique weapon that, that he will definitely leave his imprint on every game offensively for sure. Ollie. Yeah. I mean, I can easily foresee Zion maybe averaging somewhere close to 30 points a game. Um, I also expect Brandon Ingram to resemble the guy we saw during the first few months. I know that the biggest um, X factor is kind of Drew. Boy, David if, and Kevin, if can you imagine if playoff Drew shows up, you know, where he's got not only the game, but that intensity and that kind of fire that because he's typically normally very reserved with his feelings and emotions. Boy, if he shows any of that and how much that may inspire the rest of the team. But I'll be honest, I'm, I'm going to go with somebody that's not going to be as big as, as a factor, as dominant maybe, especially in a stat sheet. But I think J.J. Redick, I'm expecting for him to be dominant. I think really top-of-the-line shooters in this league can shoot on any rim. And if J.J. has been basically shooting in the gym this whole time and he feels good physically – and, you know, as a 14-year, th- 13-year vet, he's going to have it. He's going to bring it. He's going to look to lead. So I'm expecting for him to really be a consistent force for the Pelicans. Um, I think that it's probably Zion Williamson as well because you look at the schedule now, the way it's set up. Um, the opponents, there's not a ton of the things that did frustrate him on occasion. There's not a ton of um, shot blocking outside of Rudy Gobert. Um, and then there are not a, a ton of great power forwards on any of these teams. So I think, yeah, if he's if his physical conditioning is that much improved and he's he's ready to go. Um, if Zion is giving you 30 plus points a night, which is really possible because he could be playing more minutes as this goes on. Um, yeah, he, he has a chance to be the most important player in the playoffs, because like you said, if you get if you get Ingram playing the way he was at the, the, the early part in the season when he was completely efficient and his knee wasn't was bothering him. Yeah, he was a walking bucket. And then you get if you get playoff Drew on top of that, if you're getting the Drew Holiday who is not turning the ball over, who's playing efficient basketball, who's shutting people down defensively, and if you're getting just the same Lonzo ball, 13.7 boards, 7 assists, yeah, if you're getting – if Zion ups his, his production just slightly and could – if he can get to double figures at rebounding, because they're going to yes. be a lot of missed shots. Rebounding is going to be huge because that was another area of concern with Zion previously was just that he did not do enough on the defensive glass. So if he can improve there too, he has just, I mean, again, we know his potential, but his impact now can just be, it can be so much more. Because remember, the Pelicans were what, 10 and nine in his 19 games. So he was still feeling himself out. So I think, yeah, this this is a true chance to to go from we're figuring out each other to Zion mm-hmm. seizing control of that front court. Right. Yeah. Can I just elaborate for a yeah, second, ahead, too? Because yeah. I, mm-hmm. I think that Zion definitely is most primed to have that sort of dominant performance. But I think the biggest factor in winning and losing is going to be Drew Holiday's performance. Yes. I talked about this on the top five uh, podcast I was on uh, maybe like a week ago, I guess. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just like we've seen Drew struggle anytime he has to adapt to a new situation. So I'm very worried about him going into this, even though the starting five is going to be back together. There's not really change on the roster and his role doesn't change but everything else around him has changed. And he, he tends to 
get off to a slow start when he's adjusting to something new. So that's troubling. Um, and I, I just feel like the Pelicans' success is uh, in, in these eight games and into the playoffs depends on what Drew Holiday you get. He's the biggest factor because we know his defense is going to be there, but his offense can can be dynamic. It could be forgettable or it could be atrocious. And we just need that consistency from him. Even if we just get the forgettable or average amount of offense, that might be enough. If we have that dominant offense where he's penetrating, where he's driving, where he's a uh, crossover step back, banking it off the, off the window. If we get that drew holiday, that sort of like, you know, when I coined him the Tim Duncan of Allen Iversons, then right. we're gold. Uh, but if we get that dribble the ball off your foot, um, you know, lackadaisical passing, uh, if we get uh, that hesitance to drive or that hesitance to, to, to yeah, drive he's score, yeah. you know, then that's uh, that that's going to be something that I don't think we can overcome no matter how dominant the other players that we talked about are. Yeah, it's uh, never been a lack of effort with Drew. That's why no. I didn't really care for lack of days. It's just he shows those times of being timid or unsure of the moment or he's thinking too much, something like that. Yeah, but Kevin, I think that's a great point that I completely overlooked. The fact yeah. that th- this whole thing's going to be such a different environment for him. How's it going to affect him being away from his family, away from mm-hmm. Lauren and, of course, their daughter? So, yeah, that could, yeah. Be, that could be important. Because she can't come down there. You know, this is she's, not until she's, the second round of the playoffs, right? But wouldn't she even risk it then? You know, I mean, right. this is she survived brain surgery. Um, and they have a you know, again, that very young child, uh, mm-hmm. traveling from California, one hot spot to Florida, another hot yeah, how spot. How many players are going to want to bring young kids to this, right? Yeah, and, I, and and like you said, Drew is is extremely attached and, and you know to his family, that is a core part of who he is. It certainly, uh, I think that is the next factor too. Is how does his mind, you know, focus on this thing? Can they get him in? I think you're absolutely right about JJ Reddick. JJ is going to come in, and there is going to be no question of his focus. And I think JJ's impact um, on this roster as the vet with the voice is going it has the potential to be huge. Mm-hmm. And and if he comes out and he's playing the way we expect him to play, this is. He has the chance every night he's going to be the the primary scorer off the bench. Mm-hmm. And he's going to and get he's going to be in the year of Zion and B.I. in big moments. I think that's going to be huge. Absolutely. His intensity, his level of intensity is, is necessary in this. Yes. He, because J.J. can be a jerk in a good way then I think that if, if they didn't have that guy and we know the Pelicans for a long time, we've said, where's the jerk? Where's the asshole? JJ is, is, is enough. He can smell it again. I, he's the, the streak. He wants it to go on and he's going to put it in these guys ears. I guarantee JJ is going to be the hall monitor. <laughs> go, go your ass to bed. We got a game, you know, we got practice to go to bed. Who's up? <laughs> I think JJ I didn't leave my family in Brooklyn for this shit. We're gonna yes. fucking win it. Yeah, that's what I can see too. You're right. Yeah. That person. Yeah, I don't give a fuck who's who's entertaining down at the at, at Club Disney. Get your yep. ass in here tonight. We got. To, we're gonna watch some film. And, and I think that that's. I think that having JJ um, is an advantage that a lot of these other teams may not have. I mean, who who does that for the Grizzlies? 
Who's going to be that guy in their locker room who holds everybody accountable? Who does that for San Antonio now? Because DeMar DeRozan is not that vocal guy. The rest no. of us, DeJounte Murray is not that guy. Sacramento, who's that guy? So at least it, it, in the Pelicans, you have three veteran guys who have, in Derek Favors, who's been deep in the playoffs before, in JJ, who's played in the finals, played in conference finals. In Drew Holiday, who's at least won a couple of playoff series in his career, that's an advantage in and of itself to the teams that they're competing against for that eight spot. All right, let's move on to the next question. This one is from FM Sammy, talking rotations. After the starters, who, which guys need to play uh, well the most? Let's start with Ollie this time. Well, yeah, we've already given the nod to J.J. Redick. He's going to be vital off that bench, and you got to think Alva's going to close with him in important games down the stretch as well. So the other two, I think, to me, are obvious. Josh Hart, he's going to see a lot of time. In an open, kind of chaotic environment, he's the perfect guy you want out there because he's willing to guard anybody, right? We've seen him bang with centers in the post, and, and he's, he's fearless on the rebounds or on the glass to grab those important rebounds. So I think he's going to play a lot of minutes. And the third guy for a shortened playoff rotation when Gentry decides to go that right? Melly, I think you got to find use some big. And while he could probably insert Jackson Hayes in moments to either change up, uh, you know, maybe some, some of the, uh, the pace or something along those lines, or maybe take advantage of a matchup, I think Melly's going to be the one he leans on the hardest amongst the bigs off the bench. Kevin, do you have any uh, thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I agree with the two that he picked. And I'll throw in a third guy that's maybe like, not uh, not being considered as much as I think Etuan Moore might have a solid role in this because you're going to have to play more guys than you had during the regular season because, you know, the games are more compressed. They're, they're tighter together. Um, and I just feel like his, his shooting and his veteran leadership and his like in, in flappability on the court um, is is something that's going to be important. It's something that Gentry knows he can rely on. I think you'll see him get some minutes in there over other guys uh, because of what he brings. I think he's, you know, obviously more playable than Frank Jackson in this scenario. And I think he's, you know, more playable than Darius Miller because um, he provides that shooting that Darius Miller would give you. But he also is not hesitant and he'll drive and he got that, that nice floater game and he's just a calming presence in the locker room and on the court. So I think – he could have, um, you know, a nice resurgence to the season in this in this stretch, and then and then into the playoffs if we get into the playoffs. But I agree 100 percent with Josh Hart and Melly being uh, big keys off the bench. Yeah, shooting is going to be at a premium uh, in this, but it always is. But I think as guys come back and they're rusty, teams that have guys who are just natural knockdown shooters um, will have an advantage in that in, in, in trying to get their offense going. So I do agree that each one is going to get his moments um, and his opportunities. So we'll see what Uncle E can do in that. Uh, the next question is from Riley Patrick, 87. I think we've answered it pretty much. Uh, you know, he knows that the rotation will be deeper. And I, I, we talked pretty much about the depth of the Pelicans matching up with competition. So I think we got to you, Patrick. If we didn't, uh, just let us know. And we'll address it another time. Uh, but – yeah, th those were most of the questions. I think the last thing uh, we got from Mr. Uh, Lowkey, who needs to be the MVP through these eight games? Should it be Zion or Ingram? Um, 
I guess we've kind of answered this, but is there a, uh, somebody who um, that you could see being, uh, I mean, that's not this team in my opinion. You know, I, I just, I guess I'll say that there isn't really an MVP of this team because it is such uh, a collective. It needs all these guys to work together. You can't really remove one of them and make it work. Pelicans almost lost that game against the Jazz when, you know, B.I. absolutely erupted, right? And we thought he hit a game winner, but they still almost lost that one. So, no, I agree. I think it takes several of these guys to play well, these top guys to play well for them to win. So, yeah, it's got to be kind of a team MVP type of award mentality, I think. Yeah. Did we lose Kevin? Did we lose Kevin? Uh, he's still on. I don't know. Did he mute? I don't know. Okay. Well, um, yeah, so I think that covers it. As we said, July 1st, we'll find out what the traveling rosters are. Uh, players are already being tested, and they will be tested daily once they get to Orlando. So we'll be watching that as well, and we'll see what, what happens. And I'm certain we'll be back this week to talk about um, those rosters and what they, those matchups could look like. Uh, Ali, any final thoughts before we head out? Yeah, I'm just knocking on wood. We don't see Woj or Sham say, and blank so-and-so has tested positive for the coronavirus with the New Orleans Pelicans, right? 16 of, two, what was it, 302 that were tested on the first day uh, were tested positive. So let's hope that number stays pretty much at zero this point forward. Yeah, and, and as we talked about earlier this week on uh, the podcast with, um, please help me with his name, and because I, I, sometimes I just forget names. Uh, um, we were talking about the uh, virus, Ali. Come on. Uh, with who? But, with the doctor? Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, from, from NOLA.com. Oh, oh, uh, Jeff Asher. You're Jeff Asher, yeah. yes, thank you. So we talked with Jeff, and he said the rate needed to be around 5%. Um, that's where you want to be 5% or less. So this 16 out of uh, however many was less than that. It was right. I think it was right around. Five. It was right at so, five. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, we'll see what happens over the weeks to come uh, with, with that. Kevin, do you have any final thoughts before we, we get out? Yeah. Sorry. I missed that last bit. You guys, I got booted. I've been having modem problem all day, uh, but no, I mean, I'm, you know, like I said, I think you Grub and I for sure in the same boat is that I, you know, I don't think that this play in tournament and this playoff should be happening. I think the season should be over considering everything going on in the world right now, but I am looking forward to watching basketball. I'm going to enjoy it. And, um, you know, I, I hope if they started, it gets off without a hitch. I just don't really see it happening. Um, but I'm going to be rooting along as, uh, as it goes. And, you know, I got a good feeling that if we do, if we are able to play this out, we'll at least get in that playoff with Memphis, if not into the playoffs itself. So I think it's, it'll be a good building point for next season. Um, and I can't wait for that season to start for sure. Yeah. Um, my, yeah last uh, thing, my last thing. Oh, who, who am I echoing through? Was that Kevin? Did I go through Kevin's off? Might've been. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, my that last thing scary. would just, yeah, that was weird. Uh, but uh, I would just think that uh, I, I just want fans to be, really appreciative and think again about, and I, I, you know, you've, we've seen a lot of conversation about people saying, you know, athletes should be happy that they can do this and earn this money and everything. I think we just need to be kind of grateful that if we get basketball back, um, that these 
athletes, these coaches, these pers- play, uh, personnel, and, and the staffers at these stadiums uh, and the Disney parks, all that, that they are putting on a sacrifice for our entertainment. They are separating themselves from their families. They are, you know, putting themselves literally in, in harm's way um, in order to provide some entertainment to this country in a very difficult time. So I think that we should be thankful for that, that they are willing to do that. We should be hopeful that they stay healthy and, 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 and err on the side of caution. And if something does shut this down, I, I think that we need to remember not to be angry um, and, and not to take this out on anybody else because we're all going through this together. They are a part of the community just as, as we are. So, yeah, that's ultimately my thing is I, I have, we all have our, our concerns. I, like Kevin said, I, I would rather them not be doing this. But if they are, I'm going to appreciate it and I'm going to take it as a gift and not as something that I am owed as a part of the media or as a fan. And I just hope everybody else takes that that viewpoint as well so that we can enjoy this for what it is rather than for what it is not. Well said. Good job. So with that said, um, please go check out birdrights.com. Check out my article and all the other ones that are up there as well. Um, Also, go rate us. Uh, for the bird calls on whatever platform you uh, listen to uh, our podcast, make sure you rate us, give us the five stars, hit us up and um, stay tuned. So for Kevin Barrios and Ali Cosell, I am David Grubb. And until the next time, as Preston would say, let's go. Pups. listening to the bird calls on the armchair all-american network if you like what you're hearing please take a moment to rate us on itunes retweet share with your friends and most importantly subscribe today